This is The Pool. I'm Rain Combing, your host, and this is episode 10. Well, uh, welcome back, everybody. This is Rain Combing in the Pool. <laughs> um, yeah. Not a whole lot going on. Uh, <clears throat> been away for a while with the pool. Now I'm back. Um, under the weather, if you can't tell, there's a lot of sneezing and coughing going on. So forgive me in advance. Uh, my apologies. Diving right into um, the news. A few things. Um, one, girl strip. Finally, it is now, at the time of this recording, September, um, early September, and I have just now seen Girls Trip, and man, am I kicking myself for just now seeing Girls Trip. Uh, I was under the impression that it was going to be like, kind of like the hangover, in the sense that it's just kind of a throwaway comedy, you know, about some friends hanging out, but this was a funny-ass movie, like, I laughed the entire time laugh my black ass off so um kudos to everybody involved with that project and i'm sure everyone else has called it but i'm calling it now there's going to be a girl's trip too like during the um previews for the girl's trip i saw the preview for um bad mom christmas or bad mom's christmas or whatever if bad mom's um, is getting a, uh, a second installment. Girls Trip has to get a second installment. So I'm uh, on the lookout for that, man. I just, I'm still surprised at how hard I genuinely laughed in the theater. And not because I didn't think it was going to be a good movie, but the, it's been a while since I watched a movie that was just funny from start to finish. So kudos, ladies. Kudos to you all. Um,. Let's see what we have next. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, American Gods. I have not seen it. I have not read it. I don't know too much about it. Um, don't try to take my nerd card. We're all nerds about some things and not all things. <laughs> but um, Ricky Whittle from American Gods joins the cast of Netflix's Napoli Ever After. Um, American Gods, great show. I'm, it's on my long, long list of things I should already been watching, have to watch, have to catch up with. There's just not enough hours in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year for me to get around to everything. But Ricky Whittle um, will be joining the cast of Napoli Ever After. This is Netflix's new, seems like their new push for like, in your face diversity but um it's a movie starring Stanley Lathan uh, as the lead role I believe of Violet um based off of Trisha R. Thomas's 2000 2000s novel of the same name Napoli Ever After Whittle would be taking on the role of Clint who is Violet's long term boyfriend well excuse me doctor boyfriend um so that's something I'm looking forward to and I've seen um, articles and images from Napoli Ever After like showing up heavily on my uh, different social media timelines and it's another thing that I've just saved and kept on moving, saved, kept on moving so seeing this and then seeing the article about Sanaa Lathan has me very excited to dive head first, um, I'll probably go and pick up the book because to be quite honest, I've never heard of Napoli Ever After, but 
now that I see that this uh, project is a go, I'm definitely going to hop down to my friendly neighborhood bookstore or maybe just buy it online and get the uh, the ebook version. So uh, kudos again to those people over there, Netflix for sure, but also to everyone involved with this project. From what I've seen, it looks great. Um, oh, okay, so next up, <laughs> and I'm going to butcher this girl's name even though it's so simple. Anna Diop, Diop, is cast as Stott, <laughs> is cast as Starfire in a live action series for DC's digital service. Um, let's see, let's check our resume. We have 24 Legacy, The Messengers, Quantico, Greenleaf, and the list goes on. Anna Diop is what I'll call her. If it's wrong, please tell me in the comments or hit me on the Twitters, Carefree Blur, and say, look, motherfucker, this was wrong. <laughs> so, um, she's landed the role, uh, a lead role, I'll have you, and a series regular for the role of Starfire. Um, the character, Diop's character, Starfire, and I don't know, if I can't pronounce Anna's name right, I damn sure ain't about to butcher Starfire. Um, Coriander is what it looks like. So all you Starfire and Teen Titan fans out there, <clears throat> correct me again in the comments or on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. Um, Starfire is an alien princess from a warrior planet who seeks asylum on Earth. Um, a no-nonsense, take-no-prisoner stranger on our world. She has the ability to shoot energy bolts and fly. Starfire is badass, and I've always liked the character. And this goes back to what I've said on countless shows before and about different characters. Even though she's orange, Starfire's skin is orange, hair is orange, eyes are green, um, I've never seen her as a white woman so all of the backlash and all of the hate coming from people like oh Anna she's black how is she playing Starfire first of all it's fiction that's first and foremost and secondly Starfire doesn't have a race I mean her made up alien race sure but she could have been played by a Latino woman she could have been played by a trans woman she could have been played by a white woman which most people probably wanted anyways and still nothing would have taken would have been taken away from her character that being said i am looking forward to seeing this beautiful melanated woman playing this strong powerful sometimes overly sexualized because it's comics but character and um just seeing these images if you check out my instagram instagram.com forward slash carefree black nerd there, um, there's a post I have up there that has a few pictures of them side by side, and I'm just, oh, I cannot wait to see this woman's beautiful brown skin covered in orange, seeing the way she moves, seeing how she fits into the show. Like, I'm not a fan of the DC um, television shows. I'm not against them. I don't hate them. It's just that's not my wheelhouse. Um, I tried to pick up with Supergirl because it was one of the newer shows that didn't have as many episodes. Couldn't do it. Um, tried with the uh, what is the time traveling show? Whatever it it doesn't matter because I fell off of that too. But this this Teen Titans um, live action, so whatever I'm I'm all in just off of this casting alone. So praying, fingers crossed, hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care. <laughs> praying that this doesn't end up being one garbage and then two horrible with representation. So. I mean, 
don't know. I'll, I'll stay optimistic, but I will be checking out Titans for her alone. Um, let's see what else. Like I said, not too much. Um, Marvel Legacy. Mm, that's been going on. I'm not really interested in legacy and generations and how that all connects and I don't know I'm just like I've said countless times before I have event fatigue I'm tired of events I'm tired of these reboots I'm tired of every time you turn around there's a new number one on something that doesn't need to be um speaking of that thankfully Lunetta Lafayette um Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur has surprisingly made it to I think issue 21 or 22 like who expected that to happen? Like this feel-good, wonderful book about a little black girl in New York with a giant dinosaur who loves, well, she loves science and math and all that good shit. Like I'm very surprised. And although I have fallen off, I have not stopped collecting Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaurs. So um, needless to say, my nieces and nephews will get their fair share of the big red dinosaur and the scientific little black girl. Um... Which, yeah, I'll have to do a show on her pretty soon. And speaking of that, now that Starfire is officially categorized as a black woman. And, again, not in comics, she's just an alien. But the woman portraying her is a woman of color. I'll definitely have to um, go ahead and do me an episode on Starfire in the Carefree Black Nerd podcast. Check it out in the Carefree Black Nerd feed. (laughs) So, um... I'm gonna wrap up the friggin' uh, news pieces right there. So, um, hit you guys back after this small break, and we're gonna dive into some comics, y'all. You can't get no infection in your booty hole. It's booty hole. 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 Alright, and we're back, we're back, we're back, y'all. So, um, shit, pretty, um, pretty light week. Uh, full disclosure, I got a lot of stuff going on with work and whatnot, and I've been behind by a week on my pull list. So, this week is like a combination of this week and last week. All that being said, my top three comics for. This uh, installment is Iceman, Issue 5, Generation X, Issue 6, and Astonishing X-Men, Issue 3. Uh, I'm going to try to make this quick. Uh, Iceman is a pretty interesting book. I'm going to do my little review here, but make sure to look out for me um, reviewing the, the full run pretty soon with uh, Trillificent. Um But no, Iceman. So... Coming off of the heels of Iceman number four, where Bobby finally comes out officially to his parents, and I read through issue five. Uh, let me back up a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Iceman um, writer, Cena Grace, artist, Ale- <clears throat> Alessandro Vidi, colorist is Rachel Rosenberg, 
Literary VCs uh, Lord Jesus VCs Joe Sabino and the cover artist was Marco Del Alfonso. you know what forgive me everybody because I just destroyed all those names um, so we pick up where Iceman Bobby Drake has just come out to his parents and I will say the art I'm not particularly fond of the way these people look like the art is amazing but it's just something about the way these people look and it's more or less about I guess their attractiveness before it is about the art itself if that makes any sense um because you can clearly tell who is who um the artwork is amazing I just I don't know that I don't know. I guess when you're just so used to getting books where everyone is 6'5", 190 pounds, fit, toned, and all that, when you get something that's not, um, it it just stands out. So I'll say that much. Uh, through the course of this, we get Kitty trying to come to Bobby's aid with his parents because they are not taking it well at all. They are. They even got down to the mom like having to sit down and she's talking to the dad and she's like and I quote there aren't any gays on my side of the family muties and queers they must come from you this isn't on me and I looked at this like okay sure enough everyone doesn't have a wonderful coming out story where their family and friends embrace them true there are still people who are having these issues and these talks with families and friends but what kind of 1980s early 90s sitcom did they pull this from I just wasn't really feeling this in kind of the same way where um, I wasn't feeling Kitty when she felt like Bobby was obligated to discuss his sexual and personal and romantic life with her all for the sake of them being exes and friends it was just like a weird situation but um the juggernaut shows up and what I do like about this series is that I was never really an Iceman fan, but seeing how he is evolving, not even just personally, but like with his mutant abilities and his, um, well, mainly, yeah, that, like the way he's, I'll say if nothing else, Iceman, this current run or the only Iceman run, you're getting an evolution or at least a, another look at the way he um, manifests his abilities. There's not a lot of the time displaced Iceman in this book. This is the current continuity Iceman. And from like his little snow, what do you call these guys? Um, golems, 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 like his little snowman that he created, like kind of replicates itself like multiple man. Um, then in this issue, I mean, spoiler if you haven't read it, but he gets things, ice wings that are just like fucking ridiculous. He could turn himself into mist, which makes sense. But the payoff for this book, because he's fighting with Juggernaut the whole way through, is the very end um, when his parents are reading a note that he wrote to them but never sent about him coming out. And then the very, very end where him and his father have like this little heart to heart. So I'll say... I'm kind of iffy on the Iceman series, and I've expressed that before, and again, what I like about this book is that what I don't like, and I think it lacks with, like, the personal relationship side of it all, with it, him being gay and dealing with that, and the way it's presented, I think it makes up for with the art which is, you know, funny, because I just said how I feel about the art, but I think the art fits this book and makes up for with the art and with Bobby 
Bobby's evolution, like his mutant powers evolution. I think it's um, I don't know. I just I recommend it to anyone. Um, it is very much written from a white gay perspective because, I, well, you know, let let me not say that because I'm sure there's a lot of people who can identify with this. But I was reading through it and I'm just like, this is very much. I don't know. It's just something about his personal relationships and the way that people are interacting with him just does it it it's it, it's a turn off but <laughs> though that's a turn off i still recommend this book um kind of a very very short b plot of this book is that quentin choir which i've never gotten into quentin choir i just don't it's just another entitled privileged white boy with mutant powers who can do all these amazing things like you see that on the tv and everything you watch you see it in books you see it on movies and like I don't know. I just, I'm not here for it. But we see Quentin and, I don't know how to say this girl's name. I'm going to fuck it up. Um, what's her name? E, oh God. Um, Edie? I-D-I-E. I'll just say Edie. But the black girl um, from the Generation Hope era of the X-Men relaunch, revamp. I don't know. You know, they do these events and shit all the time. I think it came out of Schism. I don't know. I have yet to dive into that character. Um, her and Quentin Choir are kind of walking by um, Kitty's office where Kitty, Bobby, and Mr. and Mrs. Drake are in there talking and he's kind of eavesdropping and I just I've never gotten into Quentin. If you're a Quentin fan, please hit me up. You know, sell him, sell me on him. You know, or if you are in the same boat and you're just not a fan, let me know that too. Hit me up in the comments and tweet me, Carefree Blurred. Um, yeah, so moving on to Generation X number six. Now, it seems like we should be further along in both series. It just feels like, I mean, I know Resurrection was just like in the beginning of the spring, but it just feels like these books have been going on forever. Um, as you know, I haven't been the fondest of Generation X. Um, for me, it's very, it's not, and I hate to be one of those people, it doesn't for me live up to what the first run of Generation X did, but at the same time, we're still in the early stages. It's still just issue six. So I'm trying to give it room to breathe and maybe find its footing for me because I'm just not 100% happy with it. But then again, I'm also not that middle school kid from back in the day anymore either. So um, Generation X, the writer is Christina Strain, artist Eric Coda, colorist Felipe Sobrio, letterer VCs Clayton Cowles, um cover artists Terry and Rachel Dodson um, what I do like though is that Terry and Rachel Dodson are doing the covers and although I did not like their artwork initially from the first generation X run I think that this is a a, a nice kind of nod to the old days by having them do the cover art considering though they were the last I think of the last artist and colorist that was um artist and inker that was um drawing for Generation X when the first run when it ended. Um I would love to see Chris Bachalo cuz that's my that's my fave from back in the day. I would love to see him on this book. And I'm thinking about it now, maybe the artwork has a lot to do with me and my feelings about this book cuz it's not I don't know. I think it's good, but it's I don't know. <laughs> so Generation X number 6. Um we're coming off the heels of that bullshit that they got going on with Monet 
where she's possessed by her brother in played and she's this vampiric monster who's like looks like the M dash plate from back in the day. Those of you who read the first run of Generation X know what I'm getting at. Those of you who haven't, um you're not missing out much on this particular run. Uh so we have a day in life kids dupe the is the professor who's teaching advanced mutant sexuality um yeah i don't know it's i'll skip past this and get to the good stuff pretty much quentin choir um benjamin deeds who's morph he can morph into different people and hindsight who is nathaniel carver they go have a night on the town in the bet this like almost hellfire club-esque club and chaos ensues when they find out that I don't know, I guess this 12-year-old there is like selling all this black market stuff and so he um is selling nano sentinels who can pretty much as a, a a weapon to try to get rid of mutants. It's just it's this whole thing. And I think I seen Typhoid Mary in here. Um anyone who's reading Generation X let me know cuz she's just like in the background fighting with this other chick, this Asian chick, and I don't know who this is. Then there's like a dominatrix lady with a half tuxedo bodysuit it's it's all weird but the art really works in this part of the book i think the kookiness <laughs> if that makes sense really works with the story and with this scene um so all in all we get it to be continued where the three guys have to team up and um kind of steal the nano signals and whatnot and so for that itself i think this is a good book it's just not what i felt it would be and i don't want to be one of those back in my day when captain america was captain and you know like i don't want to be that type of guy but it feels like i'm trying to give this more of a chance than i have i'm i'm just i'm going to give it a whole nother arc like um, that's what I'm going to do. Um, the secondary story is we're coming off the heels of Monet being possessed and attacking the kids. Um, Jubilee, who's a vampire now, and Jonathan Starsmore, a.k.a. Chamber, are out looking for Monet. And we get this really touching moment between Jubilee and Jonathan where they're discussing, like, you know, well, what are we going to do? And he's like, no questions asked. We're going to take her down, no hesitation. And so Jubilee's response is like, and I quote, if I lost control of my vampirism, is that how you'd handle me? No hesitation. And it's something that I think um, is a testament to the writer, Christina Strain, because I I didn't see this coming. It was kind of one of those heels, mm, like, if... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm getting tongue-tied and all that. This was one of those moments that I did not see coming. It kind of crept up on you. And because we see Jubilee and she presents as this Asian-American girl. And she's the headmaster. And she's walking around, you know, in daylight. It's um, You almost forget that she's a vampire. And she, you know, even addresses that. She's like, sure, my vampire teeth aren't on my hands, you know. And, um... I can control my hunger and I can walk around in the daylight because of this amulet and because of that and the thermos full of blood, you know, I, I'm pretty much 
passing, I have that privilege. But what would happen if the amulet fell off? If I did not have my thermos of blood? Then she's, you know, talking about her baby. What would happen to Shogo? My baby, like, it's this whole. That's what I do love about Generation X is we're getting to see Jubilee fleshed out even more than she has been because she's always presented as this 80s mall rat, this analog to Dazzler, this like, or Boom Boom, one of them, I don't know. But she's never really taken seriously and I think that this run is going to help add to the catalog history or whatever of jubilee being a serious and um important character like she is already you know i feel and i know and if you don't know fight me in the comments or on twitter (laughs) but i feel like she is um she's finally being taken a little bit more seriously and she has this important role of being like overseeing these students and i'm i think that's probably what keeps me coming back because i'm not particularly fond of the students but it has its moments and that's that's probably why i'm going to keep on collecting it because it's like i'm i'm getting hit with things oh i don't like this very much but then i get hit with oh that was you know that was a nice little moment so kudos to jubilee um also this whole quentin choir taking the boys out on the town and dealing with whatever is just him obsessing over Edie, id Edie, whatever the girl who i was just talking about in um the Iceman book and I thought that was such a nice because I don't care about Quentin and I'm not really interested in getting to know about him this black girl is probably my gateway drug into Quentin Choir because she's he's essentially pining after her whatever they dated back in the day and he messed stuff up and she says um what did she say to him as she walks away um you told me that you've always hated having to try to live up to people's expectations. So I'm not going to do that to you or myself. Not again. And I won't lie. It's because this is a black girl. And it's because it's a black girl. <laughs> that's that's what makes me want to go back and find out, research her history and find out where did her and Quentin get together? Why did they break up? What is she actually referencing? Because there wasn't like a little note at the bottom saying oh Edie's referencing blah 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 number blah 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 back in 2000 whatever so I'm she would be the reason I would get into Quentin but eh, I'm not I'm not interested but Generation X I'm going to say I'm going to continue collecting it um this is a part one of whatever I guess the new storyline because there's going to be some drama going on at the end I won't spoil it because I think it is worth checking out But uh, that was Generation X number six. And finally, (coughs) excuse me, told you guys I was sick, forgive me. Astonishing X-Men number three. Now, Astonishing X-Men has been for me the breakout book of resurrection. Astonishing X-Men, since the first panel and the first issue has been going hard. Um, Full of spoilers on this one and I don't even care. We have Wolverine in this, uh, well, Logan, old man Logan, like clawing his way up this icy mountain to fight this Japanese undead army. Life of X Part 3. Um, catch everybody up. We are on the astral plane. <sighs> Rogue Gambit, Phantom X, Mystique, uh, Logan, and oh, I feel like I'm missing someone else. Oh well. They're on the astral plane. 
because Betsy Braddock, Psylocke, um, attacked London in the first issue when she was possessed by the Shadow King. Now she sent everybody on the astral plane to fight the astral, astral king, the Shadow King. What is fucking amazing is that Professor X is back. Now, in comics, no one stays dead forever. I think he's been dead since like 2005. Um, I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. If I'm wrong and you know it, please correct me in the comments or on Twitter, Carefree Blurred, at me, bro. Um, and him being dead and Gene being dead has been like, okay, they're dead, whatever. And Wolverine, the original, is dead. We have Old Man Logan back. We have um, whatever Wolverine's alternate universe blonde-haired son is. We have him. And we also have the time-displaced Jean Grey. What we don't have is Professor X. So, at the end of issue one, when his little bald-headed ass popped up, I was genuinely surprised. Like, it's been a, a, a long time since I've read a comic, and something has shocked me. Or I'm like, oh, shoot, you know, I didn't see that coming, whatever. Because a lot of stuff is predictable, and then a lot of stuff, even if it's not predictable, it's like, oh, okay, this was good, but that's that. Seeing him show up and knowing that this is him, well... At the time of this recording, I'm under the assumption that this is him. Fucked me all the way up. And I haven't even been collecting X-Men consistently over the last 10 years. So his death, even though it's being referenced here and there in different runs, it hasn't really meant, meant anything to me. But, oh, when he... I don't know. This is, again, a testament to the writing. Uh, <laughs> um, let me see, because I didn't even tell y'all who was doing this book. Okay, Astonishing X-Men writer Charles Soule penciler Ed McGinnis inker Mark Morales color artist Jason Keefe and letterer VCs Clayton Cowles um damn good work uh we got Archangel well we have Angel Warren Worthington who has a kind of Hulk mentality where he gets angry and morphs into the Archangel uh Bishop is in here with his braids and I don't it's just, I all in a pick up this damn book everybody out there pick up this book I'm probably not doing a great job at selling you on this but please anyone under the sound of my voice any X-Men fans if you've walked away from X-Men and you're like oh you know I'd like to get back but I'm not they're not really doing anything worth it please get Astonishing X-Men we're only on issue three as of right now it's not a full run it's not a trade yet like you're it's early enough where you can hop on and if you don't like it let that be that but i have a good feeling that most people who read this will enjoy it um there's a moment in here where archangel well angel is beginning to turn into archangel and they have like the british shield that are watching this whole thing play out and so the quote-unquote nick nick fury he um he's asking if warren who's turning slowly into archangel he's like well is that the archangel and then his assistant is like yeah that's the one to be reckoned with yes sir i'm afraid we're about to lose every man up there because there's two helicopters that are approaching the team and it look pick up this goddamn book y'all <laughs> if you're listening to this <laughs> do it god damn it um but towards the end the very end we get which I didn't expect to happen so quickly. We get the Shadow King who has escaped the Astral Plane through Logan. Spoilers there. Um, 
this only being issue three and knowing that most comics now are written for trade so it's usually six issue arc bundles or whatever i didn't expect that this battle would end so quickly but even though the shadow king is out i mean we know professor x is still on the astral plane so i don't know y'all just keep up with this because i may not do the pool every week but next time astonishing x-men number four pops up i'm definitely going to at the very least do me a review in like a twitter thread so um that has been the pool um well no hold on back it up back it up back it up now um honorary mentions uh x-men blue issue number 10 x-men gold issue number 11 champions issue 12 then um i got batman uh, I am Bane, the third, the trade, the third trade in the Tom King run, and I also picked up World of Wakanda by Roxanne Gay, um, a series that ended way too soon. Much like all of the series that have black people in it, much like uh, Black Panthers, the crew, and much like Nighthawk. Like, come on. Um, also, I picked up issues, uh, the three issue miniseries, Claudia and Rex. Claudia and Rex and it looks absolutely amazing this is from Lionforge Comics and I'm just looking at the covers this is not, I haven't even cracked them open I picked them up because of course there are brown faces on the cover two beautiful brown girls and what I assume is their mom or older sister either way I'm going to go ahead and dive into those and come back probably with a carefree black nerd issue with those so this is now the ending of the pool. So um, email me at carefreeblurred at gmail.com. Tweet me carefreeblurred. Um, use the hashtag the pool. CBN's the pool. Um, yeah, so uh, let me know in the comments, you know, if I'm reading some books that you're reading, if there's something I should be reading that I'm not. Um, if you disagree with me, you agree with me either way, just hit me up and let me know what's up, y'all. So um, until next time, stay nerds <laughs> or something else alright y'all Heavenly Father I want to thank you for this day of life my heart is so full of joy for these women right here Lord please make sure that Lisa don't get an STD and that nobody has kidney failure cause we finna get messed up and let me get pregnant by somebody rich that's all I ask Amen.